Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And today is Share the Show Tuesday. And we have a little treat for anyone who wants to share the show. We have a listener, super fan, a patron, Mr. A. You may know him and love him. He, unsolicited by me, put together a really great five-minute or four-minute audio sampler from a single show that we did. And I, it must have been like the best show ever because the sampler is just like uh, code cracking and insights one after the other. I really loved it. Really, really loved it. So what I thought it would be a great way, and the reason he did it was for us to share it on social media as a kind of sampler to new listeners, maybe get a feel of the show without having to listen to a whole show. So what we will do by the time you are hearing this, or by the time you're finished listening to today's show, it will be in our feed. It's the Prop Report Shareable Sampler. It'll be on the feed for whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. If you could just take that and share it today on your social media or with somebody you think is ready to be pink-pilled, that's the white pill and the red pill (laughs) mixed together, I'm the pink pill, that would be really great. We would appreciate that. I also have it as the first thing on the newsletter. The newsletter just came out. You can go to thepropreport.com, go to newsletter, pull down menu and go to December. And there's a lot of great stuff in there. But the very first thing is a link to the shareable sampler on YouTube. It's not a video, but some people like stuff on YouTube. There it is. So with that, I will leave it to you to share to anyone you think is ready for the propaganda report. And we are ready for the first story. So I will tell you, it is the top story across the board. And in my opinion, it's very, very serious. It is that Putin and Biden had a conversation today. Uh, I don't know if it's today in today's time. I don't know. But it was two hours long. And of course, a bunch of warmongering drum beating comes out of it. I noticed that Fox didn't cover it at all, probably because they don't want to praise Biden, but they do like anything that promotes war, it seems like to me. CNN has got it across its headlines. Uh, This is very serious. We're whatever, yada, yada. Ukraine is a symbol of democracy, some crap. You know, they just make it seem like good people need to promote war in Ukraine. And to me, my opinion is that it's all about getting those two breakaway regions on the East who speak Russian and were totally alienated when the Ukraine banned Russian as an official language. Probably never going to get those places back without a real bloody battle. And this conversation supposedly was about Putin being aggressive, being up against the border of Ukraine and all of that. Russia's story is rather the opposite, that we're the ones who are being aggressive. And I think that's true just because that's how I saw it unfolding when we were talking so much about Ukraine during the Trump impeachment. And But the most important takeaway for me was that Putin's overriding concern, at least what's pushed out by the Russian press, is that the United States or NATO will continue to push eastward. And the problem with that is NATO is a big block of dozens of countries, European countries, and they have a kind of one for all, all for one pact. So if you if there's aggression, that's why they kind of don't want Turkey in NATO anymore, because Turkey seems on the precipice with 
aggressive interactions that the rest of the countries don't agree with and therefore don't want to participate with. Not that they are, they normally will take any fight that comes their way, but they don't like what Turkey's all about. So they don't want to do that. If Ukraine were part of NATO, it would be terrible because then the hostilities to take back those breakaway regions could lead to really uh, a massive European Eurasian war. That would be bad. So just as a little historical note, when Gorbachev agreed to give up basically the Soviet Union, supposedly the agreement with George H.W. Bush was that NATO would not expand into the Warsaw Pact countries, which were kind of Russia, the USSR's equivalent of NATO. It was, I think, eight, seven or eight countries at the time, or the initial country, seven or eight, and it's like a buffer between Russia and Europe. Well, let me just rattle off to you. That wasn't long after that Clinton started the ball rolling, where now all, at least all of the founding, if not every single one of every Warsaw Pact country, is part of NATO now. In 99, the Czech Republic, Hungary, and Poland joined NATO. Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Romania, and Slovakia joined in March 2004. Albania joined in April 2009. So they've absorbed all the Warsaw Pact countries, and they may push even further into Ukraine. That is what Putin is worried about, and I don't blame him. But it's also an example of the contrary law of democracy. Somebody told me once that a caller once said that It'll take a Republican to take the guns away because you're watching the Democrats all the time. It takes your own guy to do the thing that you fear the most. That is, so you're going to get the worst thing you can imagine from your own guy. And I would say when it comes to big war, it's the Democrats who are going to be able to force it down on their own kind. Hashtag, it will take a Democrat. I'm also seeing a lot of talk of the multiple crises that Biden is facing right now. That one included the potential Russian invasion of Ukraine, the continuing Chinese pressure on Taiwan and potential collapse of Iran nuclear talks. And all of that on top of the threat of the January 6th people rising again on the back of Trump emerging to you know true social and all that other stuff. Yeah, so let's hear about that. There, uh, there's been a lot of news about Trump and his media empire emerging. I, I was just shocked by how much it's already looking at being valued at. It has a SPAC, you know, a special purpose, whatever investment fund where you invest in something that has a very vague mandate, and then they go and maybe they'll roll up an industry or make some. Just this is and this one is particularly vague where they are. um, It's called the DWAC, the Digital World Acquisition Corp. And it's meant to uh, grub stake, I guess, Trump's empire. Its share price was forty eight dollars last time I looked. That puts it in the billions. At one point, it was like one hundred and seventy five dollars like a month ago. That was that was getting it to like eight billion dollars of value. So it's got some real money behind it. It does not look like it's going anywhere. And then there was news today about it. Yeah, there was news that Devin Nunez is going to retire at the end of the month and is going to head up Trump's social media venture. It appears he's going to be the CEO of Trump Media and Technology Group, which is the group that is creating Truth Social. And 
The appointment was made earlier this week. In his statement, Nunez said the time has come to reopen the Internet and allow for the free flow of ideas and expression without censorship. And he then said he was humbled and honored that Trump asked him to lead the mission and the world class team that will deliver on this promise. And then Trump in his statement said that Devin understands that we must stop the liberal media and big tech from destroying the freedoms that make America great. America is ready for truth social and the end of the censorship and political discrimination. I really like the names that they use on True Social. Like you can retruth something as, as opposed to retweet. It's going to be retruth. <laughs> you truth something, then you retruth somebody else's truth. I think it's That's hilarious. Awesome. It's a troll in and of itself. And you're right. They got a billion dollars worth of investing. And there's a lot of outlets that are reporting on who gave them this money. Where did this money come from? This is trouble because if he were to be president again, all those people could have influence over the presidency. Well, actually, the one of the things that came out of the big press attention last month was that some of the people who media companies, media investment companies who were basically blind investors in the SPAC, when they realized that it was Trump who was going to be the target of the funding, they pulled out. It didn't matter. It still surged in the aftermath of the press it was getting. But um, there are investigations going on. Supposedly, Elizabeth, well, definitely Elizabeth Warren asked for investigations. She's being credited with it. The investigation started before that. And and I think the the her allegation was that the SPAC may have committed securities violations by holding private and undisclosed discussions about the merger as uh, the merger between that and the truth social um, investment entity while omit back in May 2021 while not putting that into the SEC filing and other public statements so they they did not disclose some things they were required to disclose that's what she says that's what she says elizabeth warren yeah <laughs> well this really shows that true social in this network i think is going to rise up and be this Really, we've had Gab, we've had all these other ones. Gab is kind of, it's established itself a little bit, but this is going to be the one that Trump is on, where he is speaking and spreading his messages. It's the two really fractured silos rising up. We already have the one with Facebook and all the others and Twitter, and I think this is going to be the other opposite silo. Which is, it's really the opposite of what you want if you want to use the First Amendment to keep the system functioning it's actually the opposite because what it does is it's almost like it brings the two-party system into an emotional grassroots thing so you have already that two-party thing you'll see sometimes in foreign legislatures you see a little bit of it here now but they'll like punch each other you know they'll just do something really crazy it's bringing that level of bipartisan you know bullshit basically to the people who didn't used to, there's nothing in it for the people, for the politicians. It's so you look at them and you think that they're fighting hard for your interests and you don't have to worry about it. And it's, it's a fraud in my opinion at those levels. And people will tell you who've been behind the scenes that it looks like one too. But now you're bringing it down to where it's on the individual level. People replace their ideologies and their thinking with the emotions of it. So who knows if they're just trying to make the the dichotomy or the disparity between Trump social and Twitter and stuff 
more authentic by having an investigation or whatever, like, because that's the thing. It's it's that sense of really being opposite that keeps us fighting each other. If this is really Trump making a concerted effort to do something that people in the SEC are trying to stop him from doing, or, you know, there, there are definitely authentic players every step of the way, but there's also like the mastermind grand plan dialectical stuff where they know they have to have two sides. They like to have us distracted. They like to have us waste resources. They like us to give up on ideology. It's just, uh, disconnection is a big part of their power. And I feel like this is going to play into those hands, whether everybody involved knows it. Yeah. I doubt few, I bet few people involved know it. And you know, the first people that are going to be signing up for it are going to be the progressive journalists who just want to report on the things he says so they can say that, look at all the Nazis or look at whatever. And they've already started writing articles about that. It could be a haven for Nazis. We better watch out. And Dude. The feed is called a truth feed on true social. That's awesome. <laughs> this is just to accentuate the kind of hypocrisy that you can expect in the public forum these days. I want to just say one little thing that was funny about the Smollett trial. So I don't know if we've caught up with this, but since yesterday, Don Lemon was accused of feeding Smollett feedback about what CNN was saying about how he was being perceived, what people knew. And I think Don Lemon is also having some sexual harassment stuff yeah. chasing him around. So it's very Chris Cuomo. As a matter of fact, I was trying to find a tweet that I said that talked about that. And I could not find it. I wonder. Don Lemon is the gay Chris that. Cuomo. I guess so, although they seem to flirt with each other. So who knows? I guess they just can't. They're just horn dogs. Like they'll flirt with anything that flirts back. So, but that wasn't really even the point of my, my, um, bringing a a little bit, a Smollett tidbit tidbit today. It is that I thought this was so funny. So I guess the prosecutor, Webb, is that the prosecutor? It's showed and read from private Instagram messages between Bola and Smollett, in which the latter, Smollett, kept updating Bola on his whereabouts and flight delay information on the night of the attack, making the case that he was working with him to time out the planned attack. Some of the messages included the use of the N-word, prompting Smollett during court to interrupt the prosecutor and ask him to spell or abbreviate the word so as not to offend, quote, every African-American in this room. So Smollett reprimanded the prosecutor for the foul language that was in his own texts. So Webb wouldn't do it. He said that Smollett was welcome to read his own messages to the court, but Webb himself would not censor the quotations of the actor's messages. So Smollett complied, and then they moved on. Is that why he <laughs> motioned for a dismissal? For mistrial, I know that they had most <laughs> for mistrial because the prosecutor used the used N word. Yeah, that I wonder if that was my the reason. Head explode. It, it might be. be. I can't tell you for sure. I just saw could the headline, be. but yeah, could be. I haven't seen any footage. I don't know if it's being telecast at all. But if the way they're like, oh, he had an outburst. You're not allowed to have outbursts. Like that's contempt of court. And the more I hear about, who does these this guy think he is? Well, it, there's a lot of weird behavior. People taking the stand and, and being rude to judges and stuff. Like there's a lot of weird behavior in the trials that we're being told about right now. And uh, and there's more trials than even we are being told about too much right now. I mean, there was the Arbery thing. There was the, the Charlottesville. Was there a Charlottesville one? There was the Kyle Rittenhouse one. There's this Smollett one. And there's uh, Ghislaine. 
Yeah, Ghislaine Lame. Maxwell. She <laughs> she had a book. Okay, she had, her and, and Jeffrey Epstein had a book of rules that had to be complied with that one of their housekeepers testified about today, and it was entered into evidence today. And I want to give you what some of those some of those rules were. This is called the Maxwell Household Manual. Notice it's called the Maxwell Household Manual. Mm-hmm. And another interesting fact is that a lot of UK spelled words are throughout <laughs> manual, which I say can oh give some credibility gosh, that she was the handler, like you right, suggested. Right, there's a little in the French past. in there. Yeah. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Is it in handwriting? I don't know. Say it again what it is. It's, it's the rules of the house? It's the Maxwell household rules that showed the lengths that Maxwell, who was called the lady of the house, went to ensuring that Epstein's mansion in Palm Beach was run like a five-star hotel. It's a 58-page list good. of rules that ordered the staff at Epstein's estates to see nothing, hear nothing, say nothing, stuff like that. And here are a few of the more interesting rules that I noticed. You can see the whole document on the website, which will be linked in the show notes. Again, one is you are to see nothing, hear nothing, and say nothing, and except to answer a question directed at you. I will point us back to when the pilot testified that he never saw any sex going on on the plane. He was flying the plane, so it might be hard <laughs> to see some sex going on, but the door was always shut. This would align with that. And all staffers were ordered to keep a gun placed by the bedside table drawer. Each bedroom had to be kept at 60 degrees. Unless other, wow. Yeah, unless otherwise instructed, never disclose Mr. Epstein or Miss Maxwell's activities or whereabouts to anyone. Do not be bullied. Simply be firm. Staff also had to advise Miss Maxwell of any strange telephone calls or inquiries, as well as any unusual behavior, such as strangers lurking around the vicinity of the property. Epstein's cars were never allowed to be never allowed to have less than three quarters of a tank of gas and always had to have at least $100 inside. The former housekeeper who was testifying said that Maxwell and Epstein used to call him John. His name is Juan. They called him John all the time. It's a little degrading. And they said he was supposed to be deaf, dumb, and blind and say nothing of any of their lives. So they treated him real fair. I wonder fair, if anybody like. mentions that butler. The butler who That's a good spent question. more time in jail than Epstein did and then died shortly after. And he was the guy who kept that little black book for his own safety, gave it up to... The defense, yeah. I believe. No, he gave it to police. It to? I think, or his yeah, lawyer said got, to give it to the feds or somebody. He gave it to a lawyer, and the lawyer turned it over to the cops, and the cops arrested him for not giving it to the cops. That's what you get for blowing the whistle. I know. In that case. Oh no! Look up the Franklin cover-up. Those kids who accused people of doing terrible things to them went to jail for perjury after. The guys did not get convicted. And boy, is that a chilling yeah. episode. Wow. A couple Jeez more of these rules. Do not eat or drink in front of Mr. X Epstein or Miss Maxwell. And do not chew gum, no cell phones. All house phones should be answered in three rings or less. Do not expound on the weather or any other subject when entering bedrooms. As people just normally I, walk in talking of the weather. Of the 
I like a lot of those rules. Some of these rules are all right. They said instead, uh, they were told that instead of saying with, oh wait, excuse me, the staff had a list of common words and phrases that were banned, including yeah, sure, gotcha, and you bet, (laughs) I don't know, and no problem. You couldn't say any of those. Instead, you are to say with pleasure, you are quite right. It's like it's a Chick-fil-A or Starbucks with pleasure. It sounds like the I Love Lucy episode where there's two words you must never say. One is swell and the other is lousy. And she says, well, let's hear the swell one first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two more interesting ones here. If you are criticized, you are simply to reply by saying it was completely my fault. I will make changes immediately. And staff also had to take turns being on standby duty, where you should not travel more than one hour from your base. This means that if you are called, the maximum time it will take you to return is one hour. You could be called upon at any time, day or night, perhaps to bury bodies, get rid of evidence. Just speculating here. I like the rules. Sounds like she runs a tight ship. It sounds like they're rules for a ship. And, or a criminal organization. Have, sounds her father a little had bit that like yacht that, also. that he fell off of. Did you hear that Chris <laughs> Cuomo is leaving his podcast? I did. I show? heard that he was getting off of his serious, I think it's serious podcast. Serious, yeah. but serious didn't comment on it. So he says it's because he needed to take a break, but I... <laughs> need, to, need to get a little few workouts in, consult with I his da- brother. I mean, that's when you take a week off. That's not when you quit. I think he'll probably be back in the podcast. Serious? No, maybe not on. Serious. I think he got. I, I have. I assume that that was a negotiated departure. Do you know who is allegedly oh. leading the way for potentially taking over? There's a couple candidates. I mean, Brian Ross was the guy who filled in for him yesterday. Well, they say that that's just temporary. Yeah. They had. They're throwing a female name around, which apparently nobody thinks is going to get Should it. I is S E Cup? They don't think she's going to get it. There's another person who they say only one person is advocating for. One person, because nobody thinks he can do it, and that's Brian Stelter, which that would be hilarious if Brian Stelter took over that one. But the lead everybody expects to get is Jake Tapper to take over the rising star at CNN, Jake Tapper, the 9 o'clock slot. So Cuomo outranked Jake Tapper? Wow. Yeah. Cuomo had the number one slot. He had the highest ratings at CNN, not in network news, but at CNN. I mean, that's that's just probably slot related because- A lot of things that he's involved in are slot Yeah, I knew I couldn't use that word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Okay. So we do still have a story, a last big story of the Free 30. We're going to dig into- A who's who for the metaverse. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. Finally, something Binkley and Kamala Harris agree on. And 5G may be causing problems from COVID to air travel. I'll tell you a little bit about some of the things that are pointing in those directions. But before we get to any of that, I'd like to give a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show, Etienne de la Boetie Squared and his latest edition of Government, The Biggest Scam in History. He is currently working on a fifth edition updated with the biggest scam of our time, the so-called pandemic. 
He is doing it through the Art of Liberty Indiegogo campaign, which you can get to at artofliberty.org slash Indiegogo, I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O, where you can pre-order the fifth edition, which, as I said, is updated with the scam of COVID, a new 32 gig liberator with the best evidence of COVID criminality, new formats, EPUB, hard copy, high res, and... And this is not for everybody, but if it is for you, you might want to consider it. It's a new gorilla pop-up bookstore where anyone with a retail location, and we even have had sponsors who have retail locations, can buy low-cost books and share in the profits. So you can get everything you need to merchandise this book in a small footprint in coffee shops, cafes, yoga studios. You can get 10 books and 10 liberators and the merchandising kit for $275, $275. You can make that back plus profit. And you can also spread the word of liberty in a really fantastic layout. Of course, I haven't seen the fifth edition of it yet because it's not out, but it's really a genius layout. It's this, it's for visual learners. It it's meant to just be on your coffee table and basically red pill somebody in 60 minutes or less. And I have actually seen it happen. So I, it, it is what it says it is. And it definitely uh, changes the way people think. If you, even if you don't want to sell it in your shop, you can order pre-order this second edition, this fifth edition for yourself at artofliberty.org Indiegogo. And uh, best of all, Etienne will be on the propaganda report walking us through all the new material. There will even be a musical guest as Grant Elman shares his song Scam with us. It is going viral in its own right. I really look forward to hearing it. If all goes according to plan, we will get that interview and the song in all our feeds by this time next week. So stay tuned to that. And thank you, Etienne, for supporting us. We love supporting you too. And you can support us by not only supporting our sponsors, but also supporting us. So you can go to thepropreport.com. You can go to the shop category, little shop menu button on the upper right of the website or the top menu on your mobile. And you can go to our page of some Propaganda Report merch, or also you can find a landing page where all of our sponsors and the promo codes that they've established for us can be found. So go to all that if you wish. And also, if you just want more content, you want more commercial-free content at either patreon.com slash propaganda report, you can get all of our content commercial-free in an RSS feed, including a new feature, which when possible will be interviews with an XR portion. So instead of just the hour-long free interview that we've always done in the past, we have extended interviews now whenever we can. And on rockfin.com slash propaganda report, we have all that same premium content, but it's in video format. So if you want the RSS feed, go to Patreon. If you want the video format, go to Rockfin. And when you're on Rockfin, you can get all the exclusive content uploaded by all the other creators. I mean, it's got to be thousands upon thousands of hours every week of premium content for a mere $9.99 a month. You can even get it for $99.99 for an entire year, which is what I did. So those are lots of ways you can support us and our sponsors. Thank you so much. And now, with that said, on to the last story of the free 30. I will say that in the XR, I'll tell you about why the mistrial was requested. It is a little bit ridiculous. It's not what we were talking about. It's another ridiculous Smollett thing we were talking about a moment ago. So the final story of that free 30, the metaverse, we've seen a lot of things happen in the months since it has become part of the public consciousness. 
corporations trademarking their brand, governments announcing embassies, virtual real estate selling for millions of dollars, and now perhaps the most American thing in our real society has now emerged in the metaverse society, and that is identity politics. Now taking over... (laughs) This is from Bloomberg reporting in this very long report about the differences in prices for digital avatars based on race, gender, and skin color have emerged among the popular collection known as the CryptoPunks. The CryptoPunks NFTs were the original NFTs that kind of launched this whole thing off that were created by these guys who work with Google and all these guys who have a long history of working with all of the, you know, all the major corporations. And it's funny because the article says that this belies the utopian and egalitarian ideals touted by the closely connected world of crypto, decentralized finance, non-fungible tokens because of this this discrepancy in prices. I will say that the metaverse... So which ones are more expensive? The white ones aren't more expensive, surely. Well, I'll tell you. The white ones are more expensive. Really? Yeah. The reason they're more expensive is because the people who are investing in the metaverse are white dudes that's the yeah but wouldn't you think that they'd want to try on a different skin when they could no because you might recall from a story earlier this week where there was a virtual training where a white guy was playing all the characters and playing a black guy he was getting accused of wearing digital wow. blackface virtual blackface so, so people aren't going to do different colored right. avatars so just when they could have truly erased this problem just truly erased it because if you could try on different skins, you choose your skin color, you cannot possibly be accused of being underprivileged because of your color because you could just fix your color, you know, change it, not fix it, but like change it to whatever you think and your perception makes it better for you in that it's entirely within your control. But if they are tying your hands, then they are importing that into the metaverse intentionally. That is, of course, they'd have to. It's yeah. just too powerful. It's they just want, too yeah, powerful. Yeah, absolutely. You see, when you put on one of those headsets, one of the things it tells you before you enter the, quote, social rooms or any multiplayer games is it says no bigotry, no racial discrimination, it has a very CNN, MSNBC like disclaimer. You are not to say or do anything that genderizes anybody. It's uh, it's a little preachy, but they also talk. See the re- these NFTs. It's not like an avatar that you make yourself. You have to buy the specifically made avatar that has the different <laughs> features. The one that the Google people made that are valued at very high for some reason. And it's interesting because what people are upset about is that the avatars that are made to look like a black person or a woman are cheaper more affordable. So anybody, race or gender, is more likely to be able to buy one of those, but they say that's not fair. It should cost more. It should be more exclusive. So their idea of equality is for it to be more exclusive and less people able to buy it. So being a minority is an asset in the metaverse, but it's a liability in the real world. I guess that's the thinking here. It's just so they backwards. Over, so did they overproduce? Did they actually make minorities the majority? Like instead of having 10% black avatars, they made 20%? It doesn't give a breakdown. Because then you have to have people crossing over. I mean, right. I wonder. I mean, they obviously manipulated this whole thing. 
Well, yeah, definitely. It doesn't give a breakdown. There is a limited number of these crypto punks that have been created. The ones that are the the smallest number, for example, of the 10,000 crypto punks in existence, there are nine alien characters. And the uh, one of them auctioned recently for $12 million. There are 88 zombies in the collection, which are priced higher than the more typical ones. There are 24 apes, which are also higher priced. They don't give a breakdown of the race and gender ones. They say that the reason that the white people are, are the ones that look like white people, they don't look like people. I have to say this. They look nothing like actual people. Really? They're just weird little so digital, like 2D looking, like you'd see in a video game in the 80s almost. Paying all that money for something that might be obsolete? Well, it's not obsolete because it is a signal. They gave an example of a guy who wanted this NFT that looks like him, and then they showed a picture of him. He starts dressing like his NFT. It's real bizarre, but it's the way he represents himself in that digital world. And as we talked about earlier this week, the way he signals his wealth and the way he signals who he is and how we can get into certain clubs and exclusive areas in the metaverse. It's a real bizarre thing. Yeah, but if the profile of it changes so much over time that you would look like a weirdo coming in with this old retro one, I guess it would be like having a classic car. I just feel like if it doesn't have, if it's not high tech, if it doesn't, if it's not particularly interesting, you know, and yeah. in a lasting way, it may be obsolete, but it'll be a collector's I item. I don't think sure. it's interesting. That's what it is. That's the idea is the collector's items and the code they write that makes it so unique. This talks about the uniqueness being one of the value drivers of it. And they list the traits that make a cyberpunk cost more. So the more unique traits a cyberpunk has, the more Can it's you give gonna, me one example? I'm gonna give you an example right here. So in addition to this rarity rarity, there are certain attributes that propel punks to the top of the price charts. Hoodies. 3D glasses. Oh, so it's not even like an attribute that would be something that it would be hard to code. It's just a fucking hoodie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how hard it is to code. I have no idea. But I'm just saying it's a it's a it's just a visual it's an accessory. It's not like this thing can look like it's leaping out of the screen at you and that's yes. a very hard thing to achieve. That's not what this is. It's not an actual attribute that has inherent value in the metaverse. Yeah, I don't understand. Because you could have something with inherent. It. If they could code something to really have a 3D quality or an effervescent quality or whatever, a luminescent quality, and that was difficult to, but maybe it's the way the hoodie looks. I don't know. Yeah, well, they say the ones that people are most willing to pay for are the ones with hoodies, 3D glasses, VR glasses, tiaras, top hats, and beanies. So those are what's pulling, those in white men looking. Well, avatars and also is, some of the avatars where they're complaining about this problem are, are avatars that look like legos they are described as lego yeah. looking avatars <laughs> and they're making the a racial really and gender crazy. thing out of it that's really crazy but that is actually a very excellent segue into my shout out which i did not realize was going to follow from your story but we noodled through it before the show, and I realized it did, which is one of our JJs, Jill the homeschooler, wants to get a... She asked me to remind her the name of a libertarian dystopian novel I've talked about a few times because she wants to give it as a gift, hopefully not to somebody who's listening. So... uh 
we decided it's probably Neil Stevenson's book. So Snow Crash was the one that I liked. It was about a corporate, an anarcho-corporate society, I guess. I liked it. But then the newer one, which I find basically, I think it's newer, impossible to read is Diamond Age, where the guy does have, he has like implants in his body to exercise, to build him up. It's just a, a really strange, strange book, but it could be Neil Stevenson she's talking about. Some of the older ones that I like, sci-fi, is Heinlein was an anarchist, and some people say an inside job, but he wrote The Moon is a Harsh, Harsh Mistress, which was a really good book about kind of the emergence of a rogue society on the moon. And I liked that one, but I really liked Dune, and since I rewatched the old movie recently, I thought of rereading the book, and then there's a new one that just came out, which I'm not ready for. But those are some ideas for your the libertarian sci-fi fan in your life. Fantastic. Well, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at the PropReport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to Propaganda Report. Go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or go to rockfan.com slash propaganda report and check out what we offer on those platforms. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic share the show Tuesday.